This is Quit, a show about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, and starting something awesome. It's not a live show today. We're just going over a lot of, uh, of really great listener feedback that we've got and a couple other topics that uh, my co-host, I guess I can oh, call you, a, vis- a visiting co-host, yes. Hattie Cook, uh, has collected over the last week or so, jotting them down on a blue post-it note, which is her system. I took a letter. Yes. And uh, I'm Dan Benjamin. This, uh, this is Quit, episode number 74, and it's Friday. September 25th, 2015, and it is 4.20. Uh And you know what they say, it's always 4.20 on Friday somewhere. (laughs) It's true. How are you, Hattie? I'm doing It's been a while since you joined me on this program. I know, I feel like... uh... You know how many episodes... We actually record, people don't know this. Yeah. They'll say, what happened to Quid? Why didn't it air last week? We record every week. We just a lot of time don't air the shows. Right. We record a show. Sometimes we record a show every every couple hours. Right. I'm just, I'm actually constantly recording. I just kind of sit at my desk and I'm, rec- I'm constantly recording the frequency. Right. Just continuously. Continuously recording it. It's continuously, just, you don't yeah, always, con- you don't always re- remember to release the show when it's done. Yeah. You know, the audio qual- quality is not great. I'm just kind of, just you I'm yelling your desk from my desk, but I have my mic on in here. So it doesn't pick up a lot of sound. We have here what you would describe as an open, <clears throat> excuse me, as an open office. And, I think a lot about offices and office space. We're always looking for a better space. We definitely have too big of a space here. I've talked about this before. No one cares about our problems. But if you think about that, what does that make you think about? It makes you try to think about planning, right? It makes you think about trying to predict for the future. When we got this space, I knew pretty quickly that we were probably going to outgrow it uh, or we were going to underuse it. One or both of those right, would and happen. And in fact, we both outgrew it and now underuse it. We did. Yes, we, we did, did both. So I guess we, we got what we were expecting. We got what we space. deserved. <laughs> Is that what yeah. you're trying to say? We yeah. got what we deserved. Uh-huh. <laughs> but here we are with this space. It's too large for us. We have people now that used to be in the studio who now telecommute or who work remotely or who have gone to other jobs in Orlando, Florida, of all places. And... So we don't need the space, but you know you we try like to, the space. We love the space, but you know you you try to predict what you're going to do with your business, even if your business is just you, even if your business is I just want to go freelance. So you try to guess or, or estimate or figure out where will I be, and I'll tell you what, there are people who I think are pretty good at predicting this kind of thing. But the bigger the business the easier it is to predict I agree. where you might be. And the longer you've been doing the business, the easier to predict. Now, always there are always things that you cannot clearly predict. You can't predict, uh, you know, we had the terrible tragedy, 9-11, the terrible tragedy that dramatically affected who was hiring and, and right. our economy. You can never predict something like that. No. But you see Apple come out with a, uh, a forecast well, we think this is what our Q2 is going to be like. We think this is what our Q3 is going to be like. And a lot of the time they, they do, Apple, for example, will do right. better. But you, it, with these big companies, you very, very rarely see them really off. And when they're really off with their predictions, their estimates, it's big news. But little companies like ours, little companies like a design shop, a development shop, you might have a good client and they might be talking about, new work 
and then they go out of business. And that's 80% of your income. You might have uh, a new ad blocker that comes out for iOS 9, and all of a sudden, guess what? You don't feel You're so the great. all, and you say, wow, we're, we may lose 70 to 80% of our revenue if this ad blocking thing keeps going. We were built around the model for displaying ads, creating content, putting it out there, and having ads. If our big sponsors decided they didn't want to sponsor anymore, and we've got four wonderful sponsors for you today. Four one. You're welcome. Patty, high five to you. Four. Why not eight? I want a better. There. Why not eight? Why not ten sponsors? Well, Why not have the whole lot. show just be sponsors? <laughs> and in between sponsors, I'll cough or sneeze or something. Or you'll say we have a listener that wrote an email, and then we just go to the but next. But listen, sponsor. I promise you, these are good sponsors. They're amazing. But what I was going to say what was, if, what if? Before you go there, let me finish my point. What if Squarespace decided to not sponsor any podcasts anymore, ever, not just ours, none? There are a lot of companies out there, podcast companies, not us, but other ones who would be out of business if Squarespace and Linda stopped showing up. Yep. We, we would hurt. But there, there are plenty of podcasts out there whose primary revenue stream is two or three sponsors. Think about you and your business. Think about what you're doing with your business. Does most of your income come from one or two places? Or people. Or people. And if, if those were to go away, what would happen? Oh, <laughs> they're not going away. They're never going away. Yes, they are. Or because you're so, you don't know what's going on with them. Or you're so busy just trying to line up the next thing that you get caught up and you're not even thinking about what if they're not there. Right. And that's what I was going to say was there are two types of jobs I feel like you can have. You can either have a job that where you worry about your job every day or you can have a job where you worry about your job and you worry about the business at the same time. And those are two separate things in my opinion. They're two separate jobs. It's two, two separate, separate jobs. jobs. So especially if you run your own business you you actually have two jobs That's to start right. out with, not to mention everything else you're probably doing. But you're right. But I think that you know many people that work for large companies where there's thousands and thousands of employees and there's you know hundreds of offices across many different countries. That is so much more stable, and that you don't have to worry as much about your company. Right. Where if I mean, you're you the can, one unlocking could, the door, you could definitely get fired. Yes. The the company could definitely close down, but what you're saying when you when you use the word stable if if I may, where I think you're you're saying and tell me if I'm wrong about this, isn't so much stable as in your job is guaranteed as much as stable in that you don't have you to know worry. what to expect more out of your job. You know what to expect more out of what you're doing and you don't have to worry day because everything doesn't ride on you day to day. Exactly. Right. Yes. That's what I'm saying is is your your separate area of worry <laughs> for the business, yeah. you don't have to actually, or yours can be small, but it's not as much as somebody who's running their own business who actually has to worry, what are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. And what are we going to be doing in a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, et cetera? Well, I think that, uh, that the, the biggest challenge for people who are running their own business isn't doing the work every day. It's not doing the work every day. It's not showing up and doing your best. I think it is trying to predict what's going to happen. I remember uh, I had hired a freelance designer. This is probably 
eight, nine years ago. Maybe not quite that long, seven, eight years. And she was a fantastic designer. And she was working on a project. And I, she did such a great job on the project. And I said, well, you know, can we, uh, can we hire you for more work? And she said, well, sure. I said, oh, you don't have anything coming up next? And she said, no, no, I just, I do, I do a project and yeah, maybe I take some time off. Maybe I travel a little, maybe I just sit and watch TV for a few weeks and find <laughs> something new and, and do it. Now, I think it's much easier to do that if you're in your early mid twenties than if you're in right. your mid thirties or mid forties. And you are supporting a lifestyle, a family, or even just a lifestyle that you've built for yourself individually. These are the kinds of things that burden you. These are the kinds of things that make it so that when you're, and if you've ever worked for somebody or worked with somebody who's more senior than you in a small business, and you see them stressing out about what's our next project going to be, and you're thinking, we just started this pro. We just started this project. Get get your head in the game, old man. Why are you worried about a project that we don't have yet to do next in four or five months after this one? Well, because they're they've been through right. that next you know, four or five months with nothing lined up. <laughs> yeah, when I was trying to start my own thing back when I was doing consulting and software development and design for people. I remember I would I was asking advice of a lot of people and saying, what advice do you have for me? And they always used to say, well, just be prepared. It's feast or famine. It's feast or famine. You ever heard that expression, Hattie? I feast have, or famine? Yes. What does it mean? It means some months you will be rolling in the cash and other months you could be cutting back everything right. cost. Well, we'll just cancel cable for the next couple months, just right. you know, to get by. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. That's that's generally most people will tell you that that is true. I, agree. I would I would like to suggest that it it may be true, but it does not have to be true. Correct. If you do what Hattie was talking about, and that is you spend that time planning, you spend that time if you will, stressing <laughs> about the future and about trying to plan for the future, even if it's just a little bit of your time. What I learned back then was while you're working on that project, while you're doing that client work, you need to be, you absolutely must be out selling for the next project and booking that for the future, whether the future is two weeks, two months, even next year, you need to be trying to book those projects because the reality of it is your project that you're on right now will come to an end. It may come to an end sooner than you expect. It may come, it may go longer and you need to budget for your time, whether it's every day or one day a week, you know, or an hour a day or however you want to structure it. You need to budget in that time to go and do the sales and do the marketing. And I remember there used to be developers in particular who were so bad at doing this. And they weren't bad at doing it because they didn't have the skills. They were bad at doing it because they didn't like to do it. They didn't like to market themselves. They didn't want to go and sell their services. And many of them were so good that people would come to them just based on their reputation. And they would say, oh, well... Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll work on your project, but I'm not available until June. 
And they'd say, oh, well, okay, uh, yeah, okay, cool, we'll, 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 we need you in June. And that's just kind of how they went. And they would, they would sort of show up and people would hire them. But now, I, th- I don't think that's the case anymore. I think people are, are much more, if you're talented, you're in demand, but I think there's much more competition right now. And we've got a couple of emails that we're going to get to to, uh, to talk to this particular issue. And again, I see Heidi's little blue, little blue post-it note. We want to get to that too. But before we do, let me say thanks very much to Harry's. Harry's is great. Great company. It's set up exactly the way I think people want to set up a company. It's two guys passionate about making a better shaving experience for all men. They say that this is what's in the thing. It says for all men. That sounds like a, is that a gender uh, discrimination thing? It's for men. How do you use these razors? Yes, I do. You shave your beard with these razors. Yep. Keep my face nice, nice and smooth. <laughs> I think women. And I, you can't even tell. That's I how think good they are. women. Right. No one would know that you have no, a, a full beard. That's, they, or would have a full beard if right. it wasn't for Harry's. I prefer to not grow the beard out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these razors are what's saving us from you. Exactly. And they're great. These, what they did, these guys started this razor company. They said, we're going to change the experience. We're going to disrupt the shaving industry. And the way the shaving industry worked before they came in and changed it, it was very simple. You went and you bought this cheap razor, and then they would, they would kill you on these blades. These blades were going to cost you a small fortune. You go to Target, you go to Walgreens, whatever it is, and you got you to get a kid to come out with a key. And they got to unlock the little cabinet and they got to get your blades out because I guess they're so expensive. They're like jewelry. You got to have them unlock the jewelry case full of razor blades. And you can only buy them in the packs that they tell you right. that they, they can buy. Right. You <sighs> can buy two or 45. Right. And it's either going to be $68 <laughs> or $430. Right. <laughs> so Harry's comes in and they make a much better razor, much better blade. You can get these things engraved. Give it to your dad. I did give it to my dad. <laughs> How did he like it? He loved it. Yeah. It was his Christmas present last year. And, it's a cheap uh, gift because you used the coupon. Too, I, didn't I did. Don't tell him. The code <laughs> to use is, is GRIT, G-R-I-T, which is a, an old podcast. They're throwing it back. It's vintage. And the starter kit is 15 bucks. You get the razor, you get three blades, and you get either the shaving cream or the foaming shave gel. Merlin says the gel. I say the cream. And you're uh, I get, like to mix them. Use that code, you'll get five dollars off. So that's only ten bucks. But you don't have to use a code on that. You can use a code on anything you want. Thank. But, but this is the way to start. Yeah. This is what you want to do. This is where you apply the code that's going to get you the most bang for your buck. And that's a month's worth of shaving. And we'll just wait until you try this. And Harry has a social mission. They give 1% of the sales and at least 1% of their time to organizations that prepare people for personal and professional success, all of whom listen to the show. So go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S, harrys.com, and use code GRIT and save $5 off your first purchase. Thanks very much to them for making the show possible. All right, what's the first thing on your precious well, we already special talked blue? Predicting future predicting, of biz. Predicting future of biz. One more thing that I'd like to say. Unless you're a very, very small company. If you want to change the direction of your company, change what you do, change how you're doing things. It's like my friend and I used to talk about this and he used this term to describe the stock market. 
And I will use the same same description to to talk about businesses. And the bigger they get, the more this is an apt description. And that is, if you're just a, a one person shop, it's like you're in like a, a little kayak, a little sea kayak. You want to change direction? Push that direction. Pew! You're going down the thing. Right. Turn on a dime is the expression. Okay, but if you are in a little bit of a bigger company or a company that has a longer revenue stream or a company who has to plan really far in advance. Yeah, has to plan in advance or a company who is uh, who has products and services that take a while to shift the public perception of them. It's more like turning a big ship. You know, you can't turn a big cruiser or a big battleship on a dime. You kind of decide, oh, we want to be going that way. You turn the wheel and then the ship slowly starts to kind of turn. Or if you want if you want to plan that you're going to turn, you need to start turning now right. in order to be turned to by be that where time. where <laughs> you want to be. Exactly. And that's how you've got to think in business. Mm-hmm. Just like that. What else is on this? paper the carry this thing around it's called quit topics quit topics uh we talked about predicting future of biz um i also have what happens when you have a change of heart about your job that you're in now we have a we have some emails i think that will touch on that particular topic would you like for me to continue yeah continue because we'll get to the email Uh, you said you yelled across at me at the in the (laughs) office you said only do what you're good at. Oh, yeah. Only do what you're good at. <laughs> this is a big one. Thank you for that. I've heard people say this. Only do what you're good at or do what you're best at. And uh, so Sean, Sean West, a.k.a. Sean McCabe, a.k.a. Sean Inman. <laughs> I don't think that that's last That's not the same person? Not, no. Okay. Who is, who is that? We'll Sean, talk about that later. Right. But it's not the same guy? The first two are. The third first one two is, is not. the same person. Two out of three. Okay. Well. I think he did a thing recently. He's always talking about building his community because he's, he's obsessed with his community. He's absolutely obsessed with each and every person who is part of this community. And he can be. And he can be because it's, this is what he does. He wakes up in the morning. He thinks, wait a minute, what about John? What about John? And he goes and he'll communicate with John. He'll spend two weeks. All he does is communicate with one person. (laughs) He does. He does nothing else. That's... He does. He does no other work. And eventually, John's like, "I appreciate the attention. I'm okay." But you know what? Maybe, maybe it's time for you to back off. Maybe it's time for you to relax a little bit. <laughs> you don't need to come over anymore. And also, I live three states away, so stop driving out here. It's and Sean's just like, Sean cares. "I care." This is what yeah. people who care do on the internet. Anyway, he had a whole thing where he was talking about. Look at this weather out there. I know. Dark sky said rain coming. Yeah. And then, and Maggie and I looked out at downtown and it was just blue and dark. And yeah. then we're like, there's no rain here. Right. And now look at it. So Sean McCabe says, figure out oh, the, the two things I think he said, paraphrasing, the two things <laughs> really? that you need to do, do and delegate everything else. But the two most important things that you need to do, delegate everything else. And I think he's speaking uh, more in the business terms, not at home. Because at home, the two things that I'm really best at doing are eating and uh, 
sleeping and watching <laughs> watching TV movies. So I don't think I could delegate everything. But at work, I think what he's saying it now, and this I will parallel with Matt Howie, who came to Austin, and he was walking down the streets of South Congress trying on hats in the hat stores. And he poo-pooed every one of them. Do you think he wanted me to buy it for him or something? Like as a guest of oh. Austin? Like, oh, I really like this hat. And he'd just kind of look at me. Right. And then you'd be like, yeah, it's a great hat. And then you'd walk out. And then he was like, oh. Okay, some friend. Just kidding. This hat really was gross. Right. And then they just threw it down. Well, Matt Howie, creator of Metafilter, gave me some nice advice. This is back before I'd ever hired anybody. And he said, figure out the biggest pain point for yourself. Figure out the thing that is the hardest for you to do and the, the, that you get the least reward from doing, regardless of how hard it is. What is the thing you hate doing? What's the thing you like the least? And Are you asking me? No, I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you this, is, this was his advice. And he said, you know, or the thing that's the toughest or the most time-consuming and delegate that. And for me, by far, it was editing the shows, editing the podcasts. And... There I was wanting to record more shows and being bogged down by this editing process that I was competent at doing. And in fact, I will, I will say I was probably good at doing it. But there are people who were better than me and, and I hired a person to do it. And I remember that liberating feeling of finishing a show, finishing the recording, zipping the file, chucking it up on Dropbox and being like, whoa, wait a minute, I'm done Walk away. I don't have to spend another hour or two or whatever editing this show and then put, no, I'm done. And my engineer got it and he edited it faster than I could and he edited it better than I could and he published it and he published it while I was in the other room, you know, sitting there with my kid and it just went live. And I was like, what a great decision this was to yep. hire this person. <laughs> and... Doing that, and, and so here, now Gary Vaynerchuk said, I've only ever done the thing I'm good at ever, something like that, paraphrasing that. That's, he said that on one of his, he does a thing now on Instagram, and we'll talk about this too. He does a thing on Instagram Well, he, he will have it a, a very, I don't want to say that the photos are sort of staged or posed, but they look so good that they appear to be staged or posed. Styled is the, I think, the term. Like if I was... If you if you were in here with me right now and taking photographs of me and you Maybe I am. Well. <laughs> it's very dark in here. It is it is very dark. And you have a shawl wrapped around yourself and you're wearing a baseball cap pulled down so I can't see what you're looking at anymore. Yeah. It's kind of the combination. Right. And if you were in this room lurking around taking dramatic photos of me looking like serious or engaged with a client or, <laughs> or like yelling, yeah, across, yelling the room. across the room. So I have a picture like that. It's genius, by the way. He's doing it right. And then next to it, he'll have uh, custom lettering, you know, in, in, a, in like a overlay over uh -huh. the photo. And it'll say, I only do this ever. <laughs> or... <laughs> hustle or die you know those kind of messages right, like, like that. oh my god like if you sleep more than 18 minutes in a week you fail you know these kind of <laughs> you know right or or then there'll be like an inspirational one like you can do it for real dork <laughs> and it's like yeah i don't i don't know what the whole thing but anyway I'm, again it's not a direct quotation my, like straight strike fear into someone or like 
motivational quote. It's motivational, but scary. but also supposed to make you doubt everything you've ever known. Right. So, is that thunder? Yeah! We in thunder here? Oh, I mean, I now I feel All like right, a dark calm guy. down. It's just weather. Anyway, he says something like, oh, "I've only ever done the thing that I'm good at." Okay, well, I don't know, but I don't know how that's possible. But I'm sure for him it works. But taking these two words of wisdom. Taking these two words of wisdom together, what you come away with, I think, is this focus that's so important. Saying, figure out the thing. Maybe it's two things. Maybe it's a few things. But what is the thing that you do really well? What's in your wheelhouse? What is it, what is it that you excel at? And I will add my own spin to this and say, what is the thing that you do that no one else can do? What is the thing that you do that no, not that you're better than everybody else, but that you're better and they can't do? Where is your secret value? And- because, because I'll tell you what, if you're a designer, other designers are out there. And you know what? The other designers, I've got to tell you the truth. Some of them are better than you or they're better at certain things than you. If you're a software developer, other people are going to, you know, that language you just learned, you just learned uh, Erlang. There's a lot of people better than Erl, uh, you at, at Erlang. You know, whatever it is, there's going to be people that are better than you. So find the thing that you do within the context of that thing that you do that you can be the best at. That doesn't mean you have to uber specialize the way I'm giving you examples of, but just think about this. What is the thing that you offer? What is the thing that your business offers that's better and differentiates yourself from your peers, from your peer businesses. You know, what is it that you will be able to do that sets it apart? How do I will ask you this question and then, then we'll do a sponsor. Actually, you know what? I'll ask you the question, then we'll do the sponsor, then you answer it to give you time to think <gasps> about it. I like that idea. What, may, why do you shop at Target instead uh-huh. of Walmart? Why do you shop at Walgreens instead of CVS? Ugh, that's okay. a great question. Okay, <laughs> think about your answer while I tell you about Pond Five. If if you are producing content online, and I know you are, there's no better creative resource out there than Pond Five. It's spelled P O N D, and then the number five. Not like I'm not saying they copied us. I'm just putting it out there. You decide. <laughs> From video clips and motion graphic templates to music and sound effects, Pond Five has all the amazing media you need to create your your productions, your own work, your own things without exhausting your budget or your time. And they support a global community of artists. All of their content on there is made by independent people, and they have one of the biggest, highest payouts in the business. I think it's 50%. So when, you're go, when you go to Pond5 and you say, oh, I want that movie clip, or I want that image, or I want that audio song, or that sound effect, you get it from them, your money's going to support independent creators everywhere. This is a marketplace for them. So visit Pond5, P-O-N-D-5, the number five, pond5.com and enter the code QUIT at checkout and you'll get 25% off your next purchase. My recommendation is like stockpile this stuff. Go in there and put like a billion things in your cart. You're going to get 25% off no matter how much you spend. Okay? Just remember Pond5, one-stop shop for all your creative media needs. And that code quit to get 25% off. Thank you very much to Pond5 for supporting 5x5 and uh, the Quit Show. 
And now your answer. You know, I was thinking about this. I was a little bit distracted from the rain. And I was a little bit distracted from by your your wonderful ad read. But I was thinking about if if Walmart best in the business. I know that's what I do best. Is exactly, just read ads all day. Ma- and you make, know what, Hattie? Make... I don't think four spots during an hour long show is enough. Could you do eight? Yeah. Okay. That's what you I do could best. make eight happen and that's what you right the second. Actually, and that's what you do best. Uh, I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about if if Walmart was in the exact same shopping center as Target. And I had to go give me something that I would need to buy a toothbrush. Toothbrush. Both stores carry the exact same toothbrush. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Walmart's prices are lower than Target's. I think you're right. But even if it's only pennies lower, right. still lower. Right. I think that's their guarantee or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. Um, they have a little smiley face. But <laughs> I think things I remember. Uh, but I think the reason that I choose target is the overall experience. I think that it's more pleasant to go into target than Walmart. Mm -hmm. Walmart can make you makes me feel a little depressed. Just the, the merchandise is not, it's all kind of laying on the ground and broken and dirty. From my experience, there have been some very nice Walmarts that I've been in. But I've also been in some not so great Walmarts. Um, but Target makes me feel, I feel like I'm going in, I'm getting the things that I need. They're easy to find. The store is nicely laid out. Their branding is nice. Obsessed with the dollar section. <laughs> so are you and my kids. Yeah, I have a problem. I'm like, wrapping paper? I think I need six more things of wrapping paper for a dollar. <laughs> for no reason. Um, but I think. Just the overall experience of Target, the branding, the design, the things they offer that are exclusive to Target in the sense of like their home goods section is nice. I like their design there. And I also like, uh, you know, their clothing section is nice too and their jewelry and makeup. So you're saying the overall experience is better. (laughs) experience. And and you will literally pay more for that experience. Yes, I will. And I think that what if so if we had to turn that question to Target and say, what does Target do better, either better or that nobody else can do in that space? And really, when we say nobody else, I think we're just talking about Walmart, really. Right. I'm trying to think of who else is in this space. Of- but let's just say it's Walmart and Target. Okay. What does Target do better? What are they what are they the best at? They're the best at making the entire shopping experience very, very easy, very, very pleasant. And I'll tell you what, who doesn't go into Target? The joke is you call it the $100 store, right? You can't spend less than $100 at a Target if you go in. You know, if you go in, my number's like 200. You go into Target, you're like, well, we need toilet paper and, uh, and we need some, some, uh, we need a, a spoon, a wooden spoon for the kitchen. Right. You leave, you're like, how did I spend $118? <laughs> I'm redesigning my entire bedroom. Right. I was in there for four hours and I spent, you know, now we have, you know, I'm walking out with a, a chair and all kinds of and stuff. And a lamp and like uh, a squishy ball from the toy section. And- then Target started to come out with their own products, their own like uh, soap, line of soap. And the, then the, the other, little air up and up is what it's up called. Up and up. And then they have a pharmacy. 
all of these stuff is really good in there. And they've got like it's really good. Yeah. Method isn't? Do they own Method or is that just that they I don't, sell it? I think they sell it. They're one of the exclusive sellers, I believe. I feel like it's theirs. I'm gonna look at it. The point is, you go into Target. The experience in Target, it's a very positive, very good experience. Now, I, I don't know what's going on with me, but I, I won't say I was hating on Apple. But I had become very disenchanted with Apple for the last year or two. Just not that happy. The Apple TV wasn't, uh, yeah, you know what, it's, this is not that show. But very recently I've become, I've become re-enchanted with Apple. And I'm very much enjoying Apple's products and their ecosystem. And I never left. I mean, it's not like I went and bought, you know, a PC. Right. But I just wasn't waking up every morning like, yeah, let's talk about Apple again. Yeah. This is more neutral, but now I'm more excited about it again because I feel like the direction they're going is better and the products they're making are great and the ecosystem is improving. So what's the point? The point is Apple retail experience, one of the worst. I hate going to the Apple store. I hate it. I have a way. If you say, let's go to the Apple store already, I'm... I don't want to go to the Apple store. You ordered your phone online. Yeah, well, I I don't like going to the Apple store. The employees are very nice. Yes. They greet you. They greet you a little too aggressively now, but they greet you. You What's in in looking for? Hi, can I help you? What are you looking for today? Is there something? Can I direct you to a certain section? Why don't you go see Marty over there? Go see (laughs) Marty. He's at at table number 118. But I don't need Marty. You're looking at a new case for that phone? I see you don't have a case on your phone. <laughs> it's very much like if um, if you were st- if, a, if like a guy standing next to his girlfriend, he's like, hi, can I help you? You looking at her? Hmm? Need something? Right. It, and I'm like, like your uh, jeans? You like your real tight jeans? Yeah, they're good. You approve of them? Mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, I don't even know if I need uh, a lightning cable anymore because I don't know what's happening. Right. <laughs> Terrible retail experience. Used to be one of the best. Now one of the worst. And maybe it's because, and here are people who are like, what are you talking about? The Apple store is great. I love going in there. We live in Austin. There <laughs> the are, tech capital. It, it is the third coast. There's, there's a lot of geeks here. There are a lot of hipsters here. I love it. I love yes. living here. But they care about their technology. But they care <laughs> about their tech. And anytime you go in the Apple store, it is 100% packed. It is 100% packed. And I, and half the people in there work there. If you yeah. get, you know, there'll be 300, 300 people <laughs> who are customers, another 300 working. Which is nice because you. But you just can't, no one, you can't get to anybody. I and told, everyone sent, let me finish. Everyone <laughs> sends you somewhere else. You go up to the person like, well, you need to go um, see Marty. You go over to see Marty and Marty's like, no, I'm no, busy. no, let me get, no, hold on, hold on. And then they go like this. Right, yeah, Jill, we need Jill to the right. front. Jill. Marty's job isn't to help you. Marty's job it's is to find. triage you <laughs> to yet another person. Now you're Jill. Or and you can't find Jill. You can't find Jill. And then Jill. They, start wor- they start worrying. Remember when they start like getting like the panicky <laughs> yeah. and they're like, wait, 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 what do you mean you can't find Jill? You've been standing here for how long? How long? Jill, is Jill anywhere? <laughs> I think Jill left for the day. And then full panic sets right, in. Right. I love that. Did you have an appointment? Was it with Jill? I don't know did who you was wait with. It at just the said Genius to come. Bar, or did you wait by the front door? So what are they going to do about it? What are they, how are they going to make it better? I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's the way it is now is not good. Now, why am I complaining about this? Why am I ranting 
about the Apple store when I love Apple and I love their products. It's because I don't, I, I look at this situation and I think I really would like to love the Apple store because I used to love the Apple store. It used to be great. I remember the first time that I went to an Apple store was in North Carolina. I was visiting the Raleigh-Durham area, the triangle, research triangle area, of North Carolina. I was visiting my friend Mike. And they had an Apple store. And this is when Apple stores were relatively new. And I had my my laptop with me. And he was like the security network engineering guy. And he's like, oh, no, what you're doing with the Mac, dude? They suck. They're stupid. I need to get a new laptop. I'm not even going to consider an Apple. I said, why? And he said, well, you know, you can't do anything with them. I said, well, you, you know what? With OS 10, you can. OS 9, I would agree with you. You can't do the kind of stuff that you like to do. But let me show you the bash prompt that I have right here in Terminal. And he was right away, he was like, oh. And I said, let me compile some Unix utilities just to show you how easy that is. And I showed him and he's like, okay, let's go to the Apple store. And he went and he bought one on the spot. And he's been a Mac guy ever since. Now, back then, the Apple store was like a mellow place to go. It was nice. You could walk and look around at things. There weren't too many people in there. Well, then the iPhone came out and changed everything. And I think this is great for Apple, but they have a very interesting problem. It's a good problem to have. Right. But but how do they change it? How do they improve this experience? How do they make it better? These are the kinds of problems that even though the public perception of Apple is very high, even though people really like Apple and they like the products, the retail experience is, is not great. Now, when we went in to try to do our try-on experience with the Apple Watch, because yes. we wanted to see the Apple Watch, that was just fine. Very pleasant. Very pleasant. So Calm. <laughs> if, if, if there are little bright shining stars in all of this. And you also enjoy the, uh, you can check out on your phone and you don't even actually have to talk to anyone. See, that's right. But I feel like I'm stealing. Yeah. Even though I know I'm not, I feel like I'm stealing. And people still ask you if they can help you. Yeah. So I, anyway, long story short, this is an example of, this is something Apple is not doing. They are not the best at retail. No. Again and again, they say the app, Per square foot, Apple does makes more money than any other company in a physical retail store. There was maybe one exception to that, but they're up there in the top two or three. Somewhere in there. If not number one of them making the most money per square foot for a store. Think about that. And yet the experience is, if for, I would say, pretty chaotic. Yeah. Pretty chaotic. You don't, there's, you know what my problem is with the Apple store? I never This is know, not a show about Apple, Hattie. No. I never know where to stand. Everything is very equal on both sides of the room, I guess. And there's tables and I can't tell where an okay place to stand is. Am I, I'm either in the way of a customer mm-hmm. or I'm in the way of a team of people teaching another <laughs> group of people how to use the computers or I'm in a place that then people think that I'm someone else because someone else has been told to wait there. And I don't know where to be. I don't know where to be in the store. (laughs) It's very worrisome and stressful for me to not know where I should be in the store. So how does Apple fix this? How do you listeners fix this perception that people may have of you? It's a very challenging problem. 
And I don't know, I don't have the answer, but these are the kinds of things you need to think about. How do my potential customers see me as a business? I remember I was talking to, uh, to John Roderick. This was the first time I met him about a year ago in Portland. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, why aren't you doing, uh, why don't you do a conference? Or, or why don't you go and do X, Y, Z? And I said, well, uh, I mean, like five by five is like, we're like podcast production company. I think people, that's how people think of us. And he said, Dan, he said, uh, you know, people will think you're whatever you say you are. Right. I said, what do you mean? He said, if you want to start doing, and I think conferences with the example is, if you want to start doing a conference and call it five by five, start doing a five by five conference, just start doing it. That's how you make yourself a new thing. Right. You'd say, I want to go into doing this. Start good doing that. And you know what? You don't have to explain yourself either. You just start doing it. I think I want to, I think I want to talk about Dan and Tom's new thing, the laser thing. Oh, yes. We'll talk um, about that in a minute. I think also having to do with John, uh, I think he made a good point because not only is he, uh, he, he proved his own point coming from being in the long winters and then running for political office. He just right. wanted to try that and do it. And so he just did it. He didn't have to explain it. He just, right. I'm going to do this. Why so are you doing did. it? Well, I want to make a difference. Good enough. There you go. Okay. Now I'm doing it. You want to make a difference for yourself, go and check out Wealthfront. Make a difference in the way that you're putting money away for the future. Wealthfront makes it easy for anyone to get access to world-class long-term investment management. This is how they're different. This is what makes them different as a company, is that they're taking these amazing tools, these strategies, and they're taking them essentially out of the hands of the rich and powerful, and they're making them available to everybody Starting at any level. I remember Robin Hood. Robin Hood. And I remember I went to a financial advisor early in my career. And uh, and I said, yeah, everyone's saying I got to invest. Everyone's saying, I don't know what even that means. I mean, I have a savings account. What does that mean? Invest. What does that mean? So I went to a financial advisor and she took pity on me. And she talked to me. And she said, this is this is what this means. She says, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to go to one of these, uh, you know, little brokerage places. You know, and she named some of the big names. And said, go there and just open an account and, and start putting money in a mutual fund. And I said, well, that's it? That's your advice? She says, listen, come back to me when you've got a few hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, a few hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> I'm, I was like, I'm I was like 22 years old. <laughs> and when you're 22, you're like, I'm never going to have a few right. hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> unless, unless you got some kind of inheritance or you're like a Klingon and you're going to kill your dad, <laughs> then, well, that's what, or whatever, that's what they do. So, you know, I was like, really like, okay, great. I'll just put my money in a, in, under my mattress then. I'll dig a hole in the backyard and just bury it in a pail. Right. <laughs> Because you know that you're supposed to be investing long-term. You know you're supposed to be investing for your family's financial health. And you've wondered, how am I supposed to do this? You might try doing it yourself, but you know, doing it yourself, especially like the right way, the academically proven way, this is very complex. This is very time-consuming. And so you did what I tried to do. You try and find a professional. 
but they don't even want to talk to you. And if they do talk to you, they're going to take 3% of everything that you have. They'll swindle you. That's a lot of money. So whether you're investing for retirement or for your own long-term goal, whatever it is, you want to buy a boat, Wealthfront, they're going to automatically rebalance your portfolio. They're going to reinvest your dividends, and they do all of this commission-free. You see every trade they make on your behalf in your dashboard. You get it on your desktop. You get it in your pocket with their mobile app. You go to Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 and you'll see your free personalized investment portfolio. And if you sign up by going to Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 and sign up, you will get your first $15,000 managed entirely free of charge for life. So in addition to never paying commissions or hidden fees, you also will not pay any management fees on that first 15K that you've invested. Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Go check them out. Now there's a legal disclaimer. For compliance purposes, I have to tell that Wealthfront is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through the Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks and there's the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read our full disclosure. Every time you say FINRA, I think of FINROT. FINROT, like the with the little fishies, fish the fishies in your fish tank could get. Yes. Do yours have that? No, no one has FISHRA. Oh. Or fish rot or fin rot. Or fin rot. Fish or fin rot. I don't fish know. Fish rot is a bitter, a bigger, bigger category. What's All of my fish are just rotting. Ugh. Ew, that would stink. That would be bad. They're cute. So that's what Wealthfront does. What else is on your precious, special blue? I have two letters for you. Okay. V and W. V, the woman in uh, Orange is the New Black. Season, right. Uh, Correct. Season three. Correct. And what was the other one? Uh, w. W for uh, Wilson. Or Wealthfront. Or Wealthfront. V Wealthfront. That was my next topic. What is VW released? Oh, Volks. Volks. Oh, I thought you were doing Volks. a bit. No. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. That's how good you are at yeah. keeping a straight face. I believed that you actually knew what I was talking about. No. Volks, Volkswagen has been in the news recently. And Volkswagen did something terrible. Cut corners. Yeah, talk about, well, they went more than just cutting corners. Uh, if you haven't been following the news on this, or if you're listening to this at a future date and you've forgotten already what was going on, Volkswagen has been in the news because there is a scandal. And basically what Volkswagen did is they took their uh, their diesel cars. Now, their diesel cars are they are they are known for being pretty fast off the line and yet amazingly somehow they have been super efficient they pass all these emissions tests and it's a miracle it's a miracle <laughs> well there is uh this test that they do whenever they want to test these cars for their emissions well what Volkswagen did is this is this a thing called a defeat device. And when it, these these cars knew, because they're all computer controlled. So everything's just code. They knew when they were hooked up to an emissions testing device. And when they were hooked up to an emissions testing device, these carbon monoxide controls and other things would, would kick on. And they would basically make the car seem like it was 
operating operating in. within this this realm this safe realm and and in right. fact actually doing really good here's a quote from an article that uh that we found on medium it says volkswagen's defeat devices they're comparing it to an issue that happened with gm years ago yes volkswagen's defeat devices were subtler and more insidious instead of just turning off and on with the air conditioner, they took into account the position of the steering wheel, vehicle speed, the duration of the engine's operation, the barometric pressure, a list of criteria that precisely mirrors the conditions of the EPA's required emissions testing. And this is a very, very efficient kind of stuff. And they got away with this for a long time. But now it has come out that they did this. And in fact, these cars that they were selling are horrible for the environment. They're terrible when it comes to emissions. They don't. They don't do anything. That's how they're getting this great performance out of it. Millions, isn't it, Hattie? Isn't it millions of cars? I think they. Uh, I think how many cars was it? They they said it was something like eleven million. Hold on. It says. And uh, it sent a letter to the car maker detailing how VW programmed about five hundred thousand cars over half a decade to cheat on its emissions test. The worldwide total VW has revealed is now 11 million. And it, it's co- it will cost thousands mm-hmm. um, per it, car to per car. Right. It says in 1995, it fined GM $11 million for turning off carbon monoxide controls when the air conditioning was on. That just that one thing. <laughs> so this is going to be, this can be pricey. Well, and the reason that we bring this up as a topic, I remember when we were talking about this is, you know, did did and the, by the way, Volkswagen's uh, CEO was let go, and he has something like a thirty-two million dollar severance package or something. So like he's all right. he's going to be all right. Yeah, don't don't shed any tears for him. But the fact is, when a company does something like this, especially today, when we're all so concerned about the environment, we're all stressing out about the environment. All the movies that come out are about the environment. Everything is about the <laughs> environment. It just seems like it, there's such a scuzzy thing to do, such a crummy thing to do, such a, you know, like it almost would have been better if the guy was like gambling off people's pension money, you know, like. Right. Like, that's more acceptable right like now. That would be better <laughs> if he had done that. Then, well, we've been destroying the environment secretly. And you people who thought you had these great, efficient cars give you the middle finger. Yeah. It's terrible. And th- but this is the thing. So the lesson to take away from this is. How does Volkswagen recover from this? Same way that I'm asking the question, how does Apple improve their retail experience? How do they turn that ship? How does Volkswagen turn that ship? Who's going to buy a Volkswagen now? Well, I still like Volkswagen. Fine, you will. (laughs) But for everyone, everyone else who's sitting there is thinking, should I buy a German car? They, they might say, yes, well, you know what the answer was for a lot of people? The reason why a lot of people bought a Volkswagen, I'll, I'll, let me quote my roommate, my college roommate, Tom. He was very much into, his obsessions were James Bond and Volkswagen. And he liked the Europe thing. Volkswagen, and he told me this, Volkswagen was the closest that he could get to BMW. Uh, technically, they're Audis, but. You know, that was the closest that he, he could not afford a BMW, but he wanted the German car experience. And then the 90s, the closest you could get to that that was affordable was a Volkswagen. And I I kind of like the Volkswagen. I wound up getting – I've had a number of Volkswagens. They've always seemed kind of friendly. We, just... had a, we had a Golf, a Jetta, and a Passat. 
And other than the Gulf, I disliked all of them. I disliked the Jetta, disliked the Passat. Didn't like that? What's the difference between the Jetta and the Passat? Exactly. Yeah. Like a foot by one foot. That's the difference. Audis, love Audis. have had BMWs and Audis. Now I drive an Acura. Because enjoying the Acura, it's Acura. fine. <laughs> but the reason, the reason that, uh, and I've also mixed into there. I had a bunch of Hondas. My wife drives a Honda. That's in the Acura family. Honda and Acura, right? Yeah. Acura is the the fancy version. And for me, I shifted away from the German cars because I wanted something that was more fuel efficient. That was going to give up some of those nice dealership experiences where you sit and there's a big TV right. and you can eat some Danish. But you're only going to do that sometimes. And they give you a loaner car every time, even for an oil change. Like all those nice things, I gave that up for a car that would need less maintenance, would lead, need less work, all of that. And so again, what is it that Acura, in my opinion, what is it that Acura does better? Well, in fact, the car that I got was the one that won all the safety awards. It was mm-hmm. the one that was considered, you know, the best combination of power and fuel efficiency and safety and all of these things. And like the most comfortable seats I've ever sat in in any car ever. Right. And so I, you know, I had to make this decision because that what Acura is doing better right now is that that combination, that more than the sum of its parts kind of thing. But I don't like any car anywhere near as much as I like the Audi A4 that I had for several years. Best car I've ever had. Loved that car. But I didn't, I did not buy the car that I loved. I bought the car that was the best at doing these things that are now my priorities. Right. And so before I, uh, I get to this, uh, a couple of these quick emails, my words of wisdom for you today are figure out the thing that you do best and try to do mostly that. Find out what is going to be the most valuable for your customer. Target that and work on that and do that. I won't say that's the only thing that you should do, but find out what are your customers coming to you for? You know, you might not want to be, I might not want to be the podcast advice guy. I was just about to say that. that those are both the same thing. Embracing what you're good at. Yeah. And acknowledging and embracing what people, what the label that people want to put on you in the sense of what you can offer. Right. Them. Now, I, let me finish what I was going to say about that. I might not want to be the podcast advice guy. But I like podcasting. I like helping people. And I like that people go to me as an authority on something. So maybe being the podcast advice guy isn't necessarily a bad thing. People are going to put you in a box. They will. You just, you just need to be aware of that. And when you're aware of it, you can help shape the box that they put you in. I would much rather be, in 2015, the podcast advice guy than the installing Ruby Rails and MySQL on your Mac guy, which is what I was for a long time. And that was okay. And this is okay. And I'll be the guy who does this other thing at some point. But who are you? Who are you? Not you. I know. <laughs> who are you? Listener, what is it that, what role can you play? What box are people already putting you in and how can you shape that box? And if it's the wrong box, if they're putting you in the wrong box, you can change. So that's my words, words of wisdom. And now we'll do our final sponsor and then get to your emails. 
Squarespace, you know what they are? What do they do best? Make websites for you fast and <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Yes. Make websites for you fast and beautiful. Make websites, <laughs> English brought to you by Hattie. <laughs> make websites for you, comma, fast and beautiful. Were you calling me fast and beautiful? No. No. It's where you put the pause that... <laughs> that was not an intentional pause. Okay. Well, I like it. I'm going to use that as my Twitter bio, fast and beautiful. <laughs> Why not, right? Change it right now. I'm going to. Fast and beautiful. That's, my new, that's yeah. my new thing. That could be the new name of my show. I could do a new show called Fast, fast and, beautiful, and Beautiful, but it's me doing it. No co-host. <laughs> it's just, just you. Me. Talking about I, what? Because if, if we did a show together called Fast and Beautiful, right. they would know beautiful meant me. And what does that say about you? I we know, can't do yeah, that. It's not great. <laughs> so it would just be me on the show. <laughs> you are fast and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what Squarespace is. They're making websites for you, Fast and Beautiful. <laughs> and so, listen. Sites look professionally designed regardless of the skill level. No coding is required. That's the key. Now, if you're one of those who does want to code, you can still inject your own JavaScript. You can still inject your own HTML. You can customize templates and stuff like that. The point is, do it if you want to do it, but you don't have to. To make an amazing website, you don't have to do that at all. Their tools are intuitive and easy to use, and they've got state-of-the-art technology powering your site. Security, stability, trusted by millions. Pricing starts at just eight bucks a month. You get your free domain name if you sign up for a year. So why wouldn't you? And you can start your free trial site today. No credit card required. URL to go to is squarespace.com slash quit. Just going there supports the show, makes it possible for me to continue doing shows, makes it possible for Hattie to book 12 sponsors <laughs> in a single episode. <laughs> and the offer code again is quit, Q-U-I-T, to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace.com slash quit. Go check it out. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting 5 by 5 and quit. Squarespace. Fast and beautiful. <laughs> Websites built for you, Squat. I've lost my mind. You've lost it's, it. Well, it's, it's 520. 520. All right. Can I, re can I read this one? This one with the giant bold? I have no idea. <laughs> Can right. you? I, I'm just making sure that there's nothing in I, here. I don't think that we've done that one before. All right. We don't have a very good organization system. No, for this. it's just a stack of papers that <laughs> shift, shift from surface to surface around the office. All, All right. right. This is a longer one, but I, li I like this. I like the feel of this email. Okay. Dan, this is back from Off August. Off to a good start. Back from August. This is old. He's given up. Haven't. Yeah. That's all right. We'll read it anyway. <laughs> Dan, I'm leaving the teaching profession here in Texas after a long 12 years in the trenches doing God's work as a music educator. And uh, God is capitalized G. I was always taught you're not even supposed to write God. G dash D. Oh. Did you know that? Is that a Hebrew thing? I don't know. I've loved music, teaching music, and being a drummer, percussionist, musician. However, it is time for something different in my daily grind. As a nerd and Apple computer user, and instead of writing the word Apple, he's put the Aww. little... I don't even know how to do that. That's the, uh, one of those option keys oh. to do the Apple symbol. As a nerd and Apple symbol computer user of many years, <laughs> the next logical thing is to embrace something in coding. See what I mean, Hattie? This is what I talk about. Everybody wants to go do coding and web Even design. Even I do. Everybody. 
I've resigned from teaching and enrolled in a coding boot camp in lovely Austin, Texas, which begins in a few weeks. My high school years did include two years of computer science learning Turbo Pascal and C++. Turbo Pascal is the best. Loved that language. Not to mention my youth spent looking into the TRS-80 and basic language using my cassette tapes as memory. He's referring back to Aww. the fond memories I've shared over the years of he and I have this very similar early experience. Our computer classes were typing, learning to type. I should finish the Austin program and be prepared for a role as a junior front-end developer. My hope is this will allow me to eventually move up to a higher-paying grade while doing something enjoyable and challenging. And then he has, in like 24-point font. <laughs> bold. Bold. Is it underlined? My question, underlined, colon. How feasible is it for a coding newbie to jump into a role as a developer slash programmer. He then continues, I do have a bachelor degree in music education. I'm only a few classes from finishing my master degree in music education. Then he goes into more specifics. So, back to his question. How feasible is it for a coding newbie to jump into a role as a developer programmer? Well, I especially here in Austin, I think yeah. it's a it's a done deal. Basically, you show up at any one of these companies, any one of them. They don't care about your. I don't think they care about your age. If you look enough like a hipster, no. well, Austin, I have to say, okay. I have to say, Austin is not a judgy town. No, the way that like a poo poo New York is, right? But I'll tell you what, <laughs> it doesn't hurt to look the part. Right. And right. so if you're going to come in a suit and tie, hi, right, I'm your new it. developer. You get it. You grow out your handlebar mustache. Now wear your plaid shirt with suspenders and if, cuff jeans. If you were in the suit, the regular old suit and mm -hmm, tie, mm -hmm. but you had the handlebar oh, mustache. Then that's now fine. Yeah, now it's fine. fine. You're totally fine. Right. That wouldn't even take that long to grow. No, it's like two weeks. Especially for me. Yeah. I mean, didn't use the Harry's. Yeah. But. Rolling in and looking the part and being complete. I love people who are upfront and honest and straightforward about what it is that they can do and what it is that they're looking for. If somebody came in here, he doesn't say how old he is in here, but he's been work. Let's say he's been 12 years doing God's work as a music, music educator. And he says he's almost finished his master's degree in music education from years ago. But I don't, 30s? so I don't know exactly when he graduated. But he's been working for at least 12 years. And I don't know how many years he was in school for. And I don't know if he went. He's a lot I don't know about this guy. Right. But you figure if you graduate when you're 21, 22. Yeah. He's in his 30s, let's That's say. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you said that. And you're right. I think you're right. He's in his 30s. If a 30-something dude rolled in here and he, and he seemed like a cool person and he's like, listen. I just learned how to do this stuff, but I am passionate about it. And I am into doing this and I will work hard and you can mold me into whatever you want. And you know what? I've got 12 years of experience working and I know how these things go, even though it was in a different industry. I know how these things go. You can count on me because I'm not going to be that kid who doesn't understand how to get things done. I've got the experience to do that. And if anything, I'm more charged up, pumped up and dedicated than ever because I'm reinventing myself and I know it counts now. 
you're gonna steal. You're gonna steal with this guy. <laughs> that scared me. <laughs> what little? P- yeah. That's because you weren't paying attention. No, I was paying attention. I was just not ready for the just sound. Just for the record, when you're laying down on the ground, I'm not laying. I'm standing, and reading Facebook on your phone. That's called not paying attention. <laughs> anyway, just for the record, as an aside. So I think that this guy, who I'm going to call M squared, Ooh. he'll know why. I think this guy is—he's got his future made. He's fine. Not worried. Dan is not worried not about worried. you. Ding, so ding, to answer ding. the question, I think it's very feasible for especially you to jump in into this new role, especially in Austin. You could do both. Now, if the guy was in Utah, I have no idea. I mean, nobody lives in Utah. Just per, You just visit Utah. Here's one that came in. Subject line is question. Subject line is question. <laughs> See? Hi. Just a quick question. Is it wrong to apply for a job in a similar field for more money, even though you know it's not really what you want to be doing? So let let me answer his question, and then I'll answer the question I think he wants to ask. Here is his question. His question is, is it wrong to apply for a job in a similar field for more money, even though you know it's not really you really want to be doing? The answer to the question, is it wrong? No, No, it is not wrong. Now, the question he's asking is, should I do it? Right. So and I don't me, think we've done this one before. No, let me restate the question. Should I apply for a job in a similar field for more money, even though I know it's not what I really want to be doing? In other words, should I take a job that pays me more that I don't really think I'm going to like? Well, it Just because it pays me more. Do you need the money? Right. Are you desperate right now? Are you now? desperate? Are you trying to support uh, a family and uh, you, your home is about to be foreclosed upon? Right. Then yes. <laughs> Do you want to work really hard at doing something regardless of whether you like it and you're willing to commit to doing that job and doing your best at that job, even if you don't like it? Are you willing to give it your 100% effort and energy as if you liked it and that you're not going to be misleading your potential new employer by getting fed up at the job after a few weeks, just after about the time that they've invested all their own time and resources in you? knowing that you were just going to leave anyway, that's not nice. Don't do that. But if you're willing to show up and give it 100% and commit to it for a year, because that's how long, give it a year. If you say, I will do this for one year, no matter how much I don't like it, but I'll give it 100% for a year, then I say, yes, do it. Yeah. Maybe more than a year. If the answer is no, I don't really think, I think I'm just going to do it until I'm bored of it. Then no, don't do that. It's greedy. Next email. Actually, this one's a good one, and uh, and this will be our last one because we've crossed the hour mark. I, I know. I was watching that. How could you be watching it from the floor when your <laughs> eyes are focused on your phone? <laughs> you mean my eyes are just closed? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't see your eyes completely, to be honest, because of the hat. And the sheet. Yeah. And yeah. Tarp. And the beard that I'm growing. Yes. AQ. Has emailed in. AQ. AQ says, Hi, Dan. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on when and how to bring up impending hard, in quotes, hard landscape personal life events, specifically when one is looking for a new job. I think it's important to maintain boundaries between personal life and work life, but there are times when personal stuff can overlap with work 
and have an effect on time, energy, and coworker relationships. For instance, and here's a bulleted list of three things. They say uh, plans to start a family and the related maternity or paternity leave. That's bullet one. Bullet two, a medical condition, especially one that requires surgery and downtime. Bullet three, participation in a program that puts hard limits on schedules or on availability to socialize with coworkers, like a treatment program, AA, etc. I'm transitioning my gender. Where I live in Canada, it's not illegal to get fired for that. Can you? Are you serious? Wow. That sucks. It is or is not? It's, it's not illegal to get fired for that. They, wow. They could get fired for that in Canada. So much for Canada being like a friendly place. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I thought Canada Bunch was a friendly... Bunch of jerks up there. Yeah. Muy trap beavers. <laughs> Whatever. Wasn't that what they do up there? Yeah. Trapping, about hunting, syrup. syrup, carpet bagging. Syrup? What did you... Syrup. 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 S-Y-R-U-P? Stuff syrup. you put on... Syrup. That's how you say it. Syrup. 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 <laughs> syrup. Maple That's syrup. Maple syrup. <laughs> Jimmy's. Jimmy's. I'm serious. I'm serious about the Jimmy thing. We'll I, need to, I need to take you to we'll talk about Philadelphia and straighten you out. I'm making... They say, I was happy with where I was working. Upper management supported my transition and my boss worked with me to set a schedule that would accommodate the related appointments. But I received an offer from a new place that was too good to pass up. During my interview, I told the CEO of the, uh, of the new place about my transition. I explained that I'd need some minor flexibility in my schedule, that there would probably, a bit, uh, there would probably be a bit of HR overhead, and that my, new, my potential new colleagues would be working with someone whose appearance was going to change significantly. I took the risk of bringing it up because if it was going to be a logistical or cultural problem, I wanted to find out right away. I had the luxury of being bold because I was interviewing from a position of relative strength. I liked where I was already, and I had nothing to lose if the new place wasn't okay with a few personal life intrusions. The risk paid off, and now I'm at the new place happier than ever, and without the anxiety of when am I going to bring up my transition, at best challenge the status quo, and at worst get fired. I think a good current employer would try to accommodate work impacting personal events within reason, but how should a person discuss these sorts of things when sitting in an interview? I gambled in one. If someone is scheduling for back surgery in six months and they're going to need two months off working from home and they mention it in an interview, are they demonstrating responsibility and trust in the employer or are they oversharing and shooting themselves in the foot? Thanks for everything. Cordially, AQ. What a great question. What a complicated so many, issue. Yes, and so many questions within the questions yeah. that they're asking. Wow. That is a whole show in and of itself, first of all. Just that question. What a great question. Thank you, AQ, for having the courage to tell your story and to mm-hmm. write about it and, and, and being so brave in oh, the interview. Yeah. You know, so, oh, well, I, could, I could be bold. Seriously, that takes a lot of a guts. Lot of, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people would not, would not be able to do what you did. Seriously. That is a really, really and, – and I think bringing up the example of back surgery is a good right. one. I think the example of, uh, of, of being pregnant is a good one right? because there's a lot of – confusion around what you can do and what you can't do and would you hire a pregnant woman when you know that they're going to be on leave you know or not on leave right in a couple months right or years right you know if you're seriously as an employer if you're hiring someone who's like well she just got married and she's 27 years old i bet you she's gonna be having a kid pretty soon we need to think about that when we hire her well on the one hand you can't not hire someone because of something like that because you don't know their situation they might not want kids at all or they might and 
what kind of weird manager would you be to not hire someone who's talented and good for the job for as long as you can get Just them? Just because, you know? right. Um, what I think they're really talking about in this email is they're talking about the challenge of knowing that you're going to have something that will be disruptive to your work. How will this be disruptive? Well, if you're going through a gender transition, it will disrupt in two ways. One, you're going to miss some work. Right. How much? I don't know. A week, two weeks, potentially more. Or I don't know. a certain number of hours per week. Who knows? Number two, you're going to show up one day in one kind of clothing, and then you're not going to be wearing that kind of clothing. You're going to be wearing a different kind of clothing. Facial features might change. Right. And many other things. Hairstyle. Right. These things will change. Is that cool in the workplace? Are people going to be cool with that? Well, you know, I don't, I think part two of that, that should be in the workplace. That should be a non-issue. Right. That should be something that, of course, people are going to be fine with it. And if they're not, they're either going to go to like some HR counseling training, whatever, yeah. uh, or they can go find another place. Right. That's their problem, not that's yours. Your, but, but that's not going to, yeah, that's going to be their problem. Right. That will be their problem. Yeah. Okay. So that, let's table that whole discussion because that's simple. That's super simple. Now, the other thing about knowing that you're going to be missing some time, I remember more than once going into an interview, knowing that like we had planned a trip. And I think one of them was when I was going to like South Korea. And that was a long trip. I don't remember how long it was. It was like two weeks or something. And I knew that I was going to be gone for more than a week, probably two weeks. So when I was doing the interview, I said, you know what? I have this trip planned. It's not for two months from now, but I'm going to be gone for two weeks in two months or whatever it was. And uh, and the employer's like, that's fine. No problem. They didn't care. It no. gives them the opportunity to plan. Right. That was the end of the sentence. Okay. I, I went up on the end of the sentence. Up talking? Yeah. See, we're, well, we're talking about Canadians before. And <laughs> yeah. They up talk? Hey. So at the end of the day, I think the critical part here is just setting their expectations. I think the fact that this was an issue relating to a subject that is foreign to a lot of people that a lot of people don't understand. They don't understand changing gender. I mean, that's the simple fact. It's not that they, they, they think it's good or bad. They just don't, they don't get it. So for you to come in and have the guts to say, listen, this is this thing that I'm doing. Can I still work here? Right. Now, if somebody said that to me when they were applying, I'm making my decision based on what their skill set are, a skill set is, right, and not on what kind of clothes they're going to be wearing, or what, what gender they're, they're right. going to be. So I don't even care about that. But I think there are a lot of people who probably would care about it. But I think what you did is absolutely AQ. What you did is absolutely what you should have done. And you get a sense for how the company would respond to that as a whole. Right. Are they going to be open to something See, like and that? I think, I think, I think we have to remember, and we'll end on this. When you are in a job interview, you are also conducting an interview. You are interviewing the yes. employers. You are interviewing the manager. You are interviewing the company and the company's culture. If it's going to be a good fit for you. Now, if, if the situation was different and you weren't coming from a position of strength, you weren't coming from a place with a job and you had to get a job, and you needed the money, and you needed the job, and you didn't have a fallback position, 
should you keep something like that secret? I don't think, you know, as public as transitioning gender is, because it's, right. it's something you do in public, right? And it's over time. This is not an right. overnight thing. Right. Right. That is no different. Now, if you have, if there might be a dress code at your work, I might say, you know what? Uh, you can't show up in flip-flops here. There's no flip-flops allowed here. If that's a reasonable dress code and you agree to the dress code when you uh, get hired, you can't complain about how much you want to wear flip-flops. Right. Okay. But if you're sticking with the dress code, you can wear whatever you want as long as you're in that dress code. Right. Clothes that are for, quote, men, clothes that are for, quote, women, whatever, you can do. You're sticking as with the dress code? As long as they're, you know, closed-toed shoes or something, you right. know, things like that that just apply across all right. genders. You stick to dress code, you're fine. That's how I feel about that. Now, as far as is a company going to be cool with you, you know what you can say? You say, listen, I, I'm going to need some time off. This is how much time off I'm going to need. You don't even have to say what it's for. And you know what they might say? Well, you wouldn't have earned your vacation paid by then, so it'll be unpaid leave. Oh, I'm fine with unpaid leave. That's I don't need to be paid, but I will be gone those two weeks. Right. That's what I'm going to be doing. Now, maybe you want to tell them what it's for. That's your choice, I think. I don't think you need to tell them why you need the time off. I'm I'm going to be gone from this day to this day. Employer. I'm letting you know that. I'm letting you know that. Can I still be hired if I'm going to be gone during that time period? Yes. Okay, cool. And if they're like, well, what's it for? And you choose to tell them. Right. And they're not cool with it. Well, you don't want to work there. Right. You don't want to work there. We got to end the show. We got to leave it there. I know. Thank you to the people who wrote question. in. Keep keep these great questions coming in. We'll do a whole show just on that. Uh, the best way to send in those questions is at 5by5.tv slash contact. You'll see the show quit listed there. Click it. Send me your email and let me know if you don't want me to use your name or and if you're just writing for feedback and you don't want the, the, uh, the email read on the air, then tell me that and I won't read it. If you want a different name used or something, that's fine too. But that's where you go to send me the email. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Hattie is at Hattie Bird. Mm-hmm. H-A-D-D-I-E Bird on Twitter. Maybe the best way to get her is uh, is her Facebook because that's what she's doing all the time. <laughs> no. No, that's actually not true. My email for the record, is the worst way to get a hold of me. For the record, you were not really laying down with a tarp, growing a beard, and doing Facebook. No. No, you've been... I was standing in heels You're at a standing, standing in desk. heels at a standing desk talking into a microphone. You did look at Facebook once. No. You did look at your phone. I was only writing topics down for the frequency for next week. Well, that's it. That's all we got. Look forward to seeing you guys soon. And uh, take care of yourself.